When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello, everyone. We are diving into my favorite plays uh, for the wide receiver and running back positions in fantasy football this year. It's a deep, deep pool, but uh, I'm going to highlight some of the areas and draft discrepancies that I think you can kind of take advantage of and uh, uh, make your way through the draft and kind of uh, do your own analysis. But uh just a couple of things I want to highlight early because I keep seeing this pop up uh, and a lot of draft talk. So a couple of guys that I want to just spotlight. Cooper Cup is going in the top five and has been projected as wide receiver one. Here are a couple of things that I would give pause to. A, know your scoring format because... If this is just standard and not PPR, we got an issue. You should not be drafting Cooper Cup wide receiver one if it's not at least half point PPR. And even at half point PPR, I have my reservations about drafting Cooper Cup that high. When you have Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson capable of having monster years, not to mention Stefan Diggs, having a down year last year, looking to uh, be back. at the, I think you got three guys right there that could outperform Cooper Cup, and it wouldn't remotely be a surprise. Cooper Cup was not even close to being considered wide receiver one. I don't think he's done enough to s- stand up head and shoulders above these guys. I-, I think it's the worst way you could go about starting your draft. So I'm just going to say it right here now. I don't think Cooper Cup is a top five wide receiver this year. I, I I just don't. I think there are so many other options you could go to. I think even with um, C.D. Lamb not getting uh, uh, any targets siphoned off because of uh, Amari Cooper being gone, the Cowboys will force feed the ball to C.D. Lamb. The Cowboys still play in an awful division uh, in terms of secondaries. Uh, between all uh, the Giants, Eagles, and uh, Washington, they are all subpar secondaries, in my opinion. You know, the Eagles have made some strides to improve it, but it's like realistically, are the Eagles are the Eagles going to be a top twelve secondary this year? I, I maybe maybe outside top twelve. But I, I don't think they were top 10. They're not going to be top 10 in the secondary. Uh, has, hasn't been the case in years. Uh, even when they made the Super Bowl run. I just don't see how 
CD Lamb isn't in the conversation of uh, top three wide receiver. CD Lamb is going uh, back in the first round into the second round. I'm sorry. Like, I think there were real routes where Cooper Cup might end up being wide receiver five this year, and he's going. I've seen him first picked in drafts. Like to to me, it's just it's just bad way to go. It's just a bad way to go. I'm just gonna put my stance there. It's like I'm not saying he's a bad play. I just think that there are enough ways it can go wrong where other guys outpace him at later draft points in the first uh, first round. And even looping back, like you you missing out on the proper value in your first round pick when you're that high up in the first three, it's huge. It's a big deal because you're you're gonna be trying to make up those points the rest of your draft if you get it wrong. I just think there's so much risk associated with Cooper Cup, in my opinion, because yeah, the floor is there, but I'm I'm not sold on the ceiling. Like Cooper Cup got a lot of things working in his favor. Cam Akers is going to be fully healthy this year uh, for the Rams. The Rams red zone offense is going to be more predicated on the run than the pass, in my opinion. I I just think there's a lot of red flags with Cooper Cup this year. I I don't think people are properly evaluating the offense the way things worked last year. OBJ isn't like... OBJ opened up a lot of things for Cooper Cup down the stretch run uh, as the Rams made their Super Bowl run. OBJ ain't going to be there. Like there, there, there are some real questions I have about the Rams' um, ability to. Yes, can Cooper Cup get himself open? But some of those big splashy plays that they were uh, kind of relying on, some of that ha- ended up happening because of uh, the other guys around Cooper Cup, not because of Cooper Cup himself as a wide receiver. Devontae Adams can get himself open. I don't necessarily see it. Uh, I don't necessarily see it being a case of Cooper Cup being as good to just get himself open whenever he wants. Yeah, there, 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 there are lots of red flags here. Other red flag, Devontae Adams. Yes, he is back with uh, David Carr, who was his college QB, but realistically. Devontae Adams still being drafted in the first round. I think he's going to see a lot more double teams. I think that AFC West has a ton of talent that he's going going up against. Better talent than he faced in the NFC North. I'm not saying Devontae Adams can't get himself open because he can. I'm just saying David Carr is not in the same caliber as Aaron Rodgers. And while, yes, David Carr can throw those moon balls, it it's... Uh, it's one of those things where the upside is not even being seen because he's being drafted as if he had he's automatically a first round pick. Realistically, I think Devontae Adams settles more into the second round. So you're you're chasing the upside with Adams, which is already like it's already baked into the draft price. So if you if you're seeing Devontae Adams in the first round just clicking on him, I again I think you're making a mistake. Because I think you can get a Najee Harris or Dalvin Cook, and those guys could definitely outscore Devontae Adams this year. It's not that I dislike this Devontae Adams. I just think that where he's being drafted right now, 
it kind of puts you in a tight spot where you need him to put up all the numbers humanly possible. And it, it may not happen right off the bat. Like th- th- there, there are some real concerns with Devonte Adams living up to the value. If he's truly going to go in that first round, he's a second round pick in my opinion. So where else does that lead us? Leads us into the question of who's number one. Then is it Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor? I think Jonathan Taylor is just an obvious pick. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. Yes. Is it an upgrade? It, yeah. Is it a tremendous upgrade? I'm not sold on that uh, the way people are about raving about uh, this is what Matthew Stafford brought to. And I question Matthew Stafford to the Rams, but I question Matt Ryan to the Colts even more than I question uh, Matthew Stafford to the Rams because Matt Ryan legitimately looked to be washed in Atlanta. Like it, he legitimately looked like he was kind of tapped out. He was kind of over it. Maybe he was mentally checked out, but physically there were some throws that it looked as though Matt Ryan, and he never had the strongest arm. The difference is Matthew Stafford always had a strong arm. Matt Ryan never had a elite arm coming out of BC. they like, it was one of the things that people questioned about if he could truly be an NFL starting QB was his arm strength. So, to me, he never had a great arm strength. Like, this was like always a Brady situation where he would have to outthink it. And Matt Ryan, yes, he was always been a capable QB. I'd never put him in the Brady class of being able to outthink opponents and uh, just realistically break down the game uh, succinctly and just pick teams apart. Like, that really wasn't Matt Ryan's strength. Like, Matt Ryan's a solid play action QB, needs a run game, needs good pass blocking. And he'll figure it out from there. He has that with the Colts. So basically, that's, you know, I think he makes it work. But Jonathan Taylor has to have a big year. So to me, that's why he's the number one big. Like, the Colts absolutely need Jonathan Taylor to put up the monster numbers they did last year and do it again. And hope that the QB doesn't screw it up for them this time the way Carson did last year. Because Carson absolutely cost that team, (laughs) like, a Super Bowl run. I still think if the Colts had made the playoffs, they replaced the Bengals in the Super Bowl uh, uh, against uh, the Rams. I just look at it that way. I I honestly think uh, Carson Wentz cost that team a Super Bowl run. And they didn't even get him into the playoffs. That's how bad he was. But at the two, and it's a very risky number two, it's Christian McCaffrey. Because Baker Mayfield is at the QB spot. Baker Mayfield, when he stays within himself, is a dump-off passer who can scramble a little bit, open things up a little bit for Christian McCaffrey because Baker can bootleg. There there should be opportunities for uh, Christian McCaffrey to get plenty of volume with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. You know, can McCaffrey stay healthy? That's the big question. But from a production standpoint, I think McCaffrey... uh, gets uh, enough volume from Baker. Uh, and again, this is why you got to know your f- format. If it's standard format, I do not like Christian McCaffrey at number two. But for PPR and half-point PPR, I can live with Christian McCaffrey as my number two, even with the re- injury risk uh, potential. The running back three that I have questions on is Austin Eckler. I'm used to drafting Austin Eckler Late second round, early third round. 
Austin Eckler in the first round screams big problems. I just, I have qualms about guys who are not every down backs. Even like Austin, Austin Eckler is a streamer. Like, like you could see, like you can see him streaming on Twitch and things like that. Like he talks about his NFL life, like, and you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about him trying to lighten his workload and not take as many big hits. I don't necessarily like uh, Austin Eckler in the first round. I'll just be honest with that. I, I think you got to kind of look at Austin Eckler where he's always been positioned. So my shares of Austin Eckler will definitely be less this year. I like him as a player, but, uh, and it's a big but, I, I, I don't see the volume this year. Uh, I think the Chargers offense, uh, they grab some guys that I think are going to be taking on more of a running back role for the team, but I don't think any of them are going to replace Eckler. It's just the fact that I don't think he gets the red zone touches. And I think from just a a carry standpoint, he's going to be on the lowest end of the range of all the running backs in the first two rounds. I I just don't want to be in, in that mix. I just think it's it's a, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. I would much rather have DeAndre Swift than Austin Eckler this year. And not, and DeAndre Swift is consistently going in the second round. So, um, guys that I would avoid, Saquon Barkley. Listen, the Giants offense needs Saquon Barkley to play well. The problem is, the Giants offense, from an offensive line standpoint, looks like it was built for Daniel Jones and Saquon to survive. Not thrive, but survive. Last year, the Giants offensive line was beyond atrocious. This year, it might be meh. Like, it might not just be average. It just might be, like, just below average, not completely awful but might be passable enough that, you know, realistically, if Jones and Saquon are it, they'll get it done. I just think that that's not necessarily a great place to be with a guy with multiple injuries, you know, seems to get hurt very easily. And from a confidence standpoint is very much got rabbit rabbit ears when it comes to media members reporting on him and his lack of physicality as a running back. You know, it's just troubling signs for me to kind of back that guy, especially when he's going as high up in drafts. I've seen Saquon go uh, in the top eight in, in terms of draft picks and fantasy drafts. And I just think it's way too high. I think Saquon's closer to the back end of the second round, early third round pick. But I haven't seen him hit the third round yet, so I'm just gonna be just like I'm. I'm just likely not have any shares of Saquon Barkley this year. That that's just uh, the long and short of it. But um, other guys that I would take a look at: Aaron Jones, Packers offense. No Devontae Adams. No Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard's the wide receiver number one. What do you think the Packers are going to do? A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are going to get plenty of work. Now, could A.J. Dillon end up taking over the role? Yeah. I like A.J. Dillon. But Aaron Jones is still there. They gave him the contract extension. They're going to use both guys. 
The Packers are going to build it around a two running back offense. There is no reason why uh, Aaron Jones doesn't adopt more of a pass catching role in the offense this year, even if AJ Dillon picks up more carries. Aaron Jones is one of the safest picks in the second round I can think of. I, I I don't understand why people are that scared of Aaron Jones this year. You really shouldn't be. Realistically, without Devontae Adams, the Packers cannot throw it down the field as much. They have to rely on the run game. They got two very good running backs. But Aaron Jones is still considered the 1A back. C.J. Dillon is the 1B back. Why are you not taking like the what a 1A back in the first two rounds? I, I, I don't get it. I don't get the, tre- uh, the hesitancy with Aaron Jones. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think Aaron Jones is a much safer pick than Mike Evans and Debo Samuel. All guys I'm seeing being taken in here. And guess what? Alvin Kamara is a big red flag to me because he's got a suspension. <laughs> like, And I'm still seeing people take him. Uh, it, like in the second round, it, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't see how this, uh, uh somebody's, uh, like, because Alvin Kamara and that Vegas incident, I, I don't see how he's not suspended multiple games this year. So let's talk about the guy I really want to talk about. Um, there were a couple of guys I don't want to talk about, but I will talk about anyway. Uh, the long and short of it is Javante Adams could easily be running back number one this year because of his talent and how good that Broncos offensive line is and the threat of Russell Wilson running and throwing it's going to open up plenty of running lanes for Javante Williams he could be running back number one when it's all said and done this year The Caveat to that is Melvin Gordon's still there. Melvin Gordon is looming as a threat, but I think it's going to flip-flop where before Javante Williams was the 1B and Melvin Gordon was 1A, and they were both averaging around the same amount of fancy points. They were averaging around 11 fancy points per year. I think uh, Javante Williams starts getting more of the touches that Melvin Gordon was getting. Melvin Gordon was still out-touching him every three carries to two that uh, Javante Williams, like he, Melvin Gordon was getting one and a half times more carries than Javante Williams was most games. I think that flip flops. And I think uh, Javante Williams takes further advantage of it because he was still outpacing um, Melvin Gordon by leaps and bounds from a yards per carry standpoint. And his home run potential is there. We saw it. As good as Melvin Gordon was, Melvin Gordon should have been traded. Melvin Gordon is still a very capable running back in this league. Not saying no. And so that's the threat. Melvin Gordon could still find a way to usurp the role. But I think Javante Williams is the guy who has the chance of being running back one that folks still aren't quite uh, properly prioritizing. So. That's how it goes. Anyways, other guys to be mindful of. I would say there is a trio 
of plays that can make or break your draft. Michael Williams is being drafted after Keaton Allen in most drafts. Yet, Mike Williams was the preferred target of Justin Herbert. Keenan Allen is on the back end of his career getting less volume from Justin Herbert last year. Keenan Allen, by fantasy perspective, underachieved. Keenan Allen, people are expected to have a bounce back year. Being drafted in the 30s, I think Mike Williams should be the guy. I think Mike Williams should be drafted before Keenan Allen, but the reverse is happening. So I think you can get Mike Williams in the mid-third round over Keenan Allen. I mean, uh, mid-third round after Keenan Allen, but in terms of value, he's going to be beyond Keenan Allen, in my opinion. So it's about establishing that draft equity where you can grab Mike Williams and you can grab a Mike Pittman and on the turnaround, because I think Mike, uh, Mike, uh, Michael Pittman, again, with the Colts, play action, Matt Ryan should be able to find Mike Pittman uh, pretty easily. Matt Ryan is very good at doing that. Like, that's what he does. A.J. Brown, also, third-round pick you could, uh, you could consider, because the Eagles' offense is going to be explosive this year. Everything from preseason has been leading towards the Eagles featuring Brown. You know what you have in Devonta Smith, but between the running attack for the Eagles and having uh, more flexibility for Jalen Hurts to expand on kind of a run and gun, I like the Eagles offense this year. A.J. Brown's going to be a big reason why, you know, as painful as that sounds as a Giants fan saying it, but. You know, it makes a ton of sense uh, grabbing shares of various Eagles players. Uh, You may hear in some of my other episodes talking about stacking Jalen Hurts with Dallas Goddard. Um, You don't necessarily want to correlate all of them together because there's negative correlation when you do wide receiver and tight end. But, you know, I don't have qualms uh, pairing up, you know, A.J. Brown, um, with a running back, like yeah, so you you won't you aren't gonna get everything that you're looking for, but uh, like with Miles Sanders, you know, it's just uh, if Miles Sanders uh, seems like the odd man out, but I always say this, he is gonna be a running back on a good offense, and with the passing attack being expanded, Miles Sanders still getting touches and being in the seventh round. That's something worth exploring. So, I'm just saying, you know, I definitely like uh, A.J. Brown. I like Devonta Smith. And if Miles Sanders falls, that's not the worst thing in the world to have him drop. You grab you grab him over a uh, wide receiver, or if it's Goddard, so be it. But you grab the three, uh, three uh, including... Um, Jalen Hurts, and you have your stack there to correlate uh, all the all the various options. So, again, the, these are areas because of the draft uh, ranges. Why you can stack as you slip further back, 
and you'll still have good offenses to be targeting. So it's just food for thought. Now, areas that I'm telling folks to stay as far away from as humanly possible. Ezekiel Elliott is still somehow being recommended by folks as a good draft pick. Ezekiel Elliott, folks are saying, is still a good draft pick in the third round. I, you know, we are in 2022, folks. Ezekiel Elliott has been the second best running back on his team for three years running now, and folks are still recommending Zeke Elliott. I don't know what else to say. You know, I finally had to make the call last year just saying, you know, Tony Pollard might not play enough, but Tony Pollard is without question the better running back. And people laughed at me. They said that I was crazy. Pollard is better. People are finally coming around to this. Pollard is flat out better than Ezekiel Elliott. I would rather take the chance of Tony Pollard going down into the 80s then effort drafting Zeke Elliott in the first three rounds. It's insane. Like, Zeke could still get hurt. And even then, if he doesn't get hurt, Pollard might still out, uh, outpace him. Zeke is only getting there because of he's getting the red zone carries to rush it in. Pollard is still getting a bunch of carries and driving yards. Yes, Zeke is getting touches, but he has to get so much more touches at a certain point. Mike McCarthy has to acknowledge the fact that Zeke is probably holding this offense back. Zeke is stealing money from Jerry Jones. I'm playing the world's smallest violin. As I say, Zeke is stealing money from Jerry Jones. But, like, this is insane. It's absolutely insane. The fact that Zeke Elliott could actually be drafted ahead of Allen Robinson is infuriating to me. Allen Robinson has finally landed in a good offensive situation, being on the Rams. Been stuck for years in Jacksonville. Went to the Bears. The Bears situation completely fell apart on him. He finally has a good quarterback. He finally has another option besides him in Cooper Cup. This is the other reason why I'm not asshole on Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson is the best wide receiver Cooper Cup. Uh, has played with not named uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And the thing about Allen Robinson is he's consistent when he's on the field. The only time Allen Robinson doesn't produce is when he's banged up. If he's healthy, Matthew Stafford's going to love Allen Robinson. It's one of the reasons why I fear about the upside of Cooper Cup. Because Allen Robinson is an exceptional wide receiver. The fact that Ezekiel Elliott is being drafted the third round ahead of Allen Robinson, I think Allen Robinson is a third-round value steal. He could easily outperform a number of wide receivers that people keep talking about. Like a DJ Moore, I think he could outpace. T. Higgins, I think Allen Robinson could outpace. And it's not to slight these players, but the reality of the situation is that you know, I think Allen Robinson can outscore Tyreek Kill. And I know folks are going to be talking about the big play potential you get with Tyreek Kill, but we still got to see if Tua can prove it. 
that he can make those deep throws that Mahomes can make to get to throw a man open like Tyreek Hill the way he needs to be to be unleashed, to unleash the cheetah. I'm I'm just saying, like, there are a number of guys to be cautious of. But the number one guy that's the biggest red flag that I still keep hearing being talked up is Ezekiel Elliott. Like, I was not going to leave this episode without going on a rant about Ezekiel Elliott. Like, the absolute worst play I can think of this year in fantasy. I, I'm just not, not even, not even going to, like, debate even further. Like, without question, would rather play Leonard Fournette as overweight as he came into camp this year. And Leonard Fournette's high bust potential, and I, even he, I think, is a safer play than Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke absolutely has to rely on the Cowboys being dumb enough to give him red zone carries just so he can make a three-yard run for a touchdown. How the hell is that supposed to be a, a recommended pick for fantasy purposes? That you're banking on the team being utterly incompetent to keep giving this dude carries. The Cowboys could be dumb enough to do it, but realistically, at a certain point, a team's got to learn how to course correct. And the Cowboys have aspirations of making the Super Bowl, as they do every year. At a certain point, the light bulb's got to dim, uh, like turn on, that Tony Pollard should be getting more touches. And that they need to be focused on getting t- Tony Pollard more touches. Kellen Moore, if he wants to be an NFL head coach, has got to realize he's got to actually use the offense. As much as Jerry may coach him and tell him what to do, Kellen Moore, you know, Yes, he could be just sabotaging Mike McCarthy so he can get the job. But we know what path that leads to at the end of the day. So at a certain point, I got to believe that the Cowboys are smart enough to realize that continually to force feed Zeke the ball is a terrible way to run an offense. And that's why Zeke is the worst play amongst the top uh, 60 skilled position players on fantasy drafts this year. Like, I think far and away, he's the worst play. So that's going to do it for me. I'm going to get on out of here. But I will say again, from skill position player standpoint, guys, you have to be thinking about long term. And they'll be further down, uh, down the board. But guys like a Tony Pollard, guys like a Damian Pierce. For the Texans, he is going way further still in drafts because people don't know who he is, and he plays on the Texans. Damian Pierce should be uh, guys that get way more attention than they will. Like that—that's just the—that's just the truth of the matter. It—it it, it doesn't make any sense, but folks still go by name recognition, and because of that. You can take advantage of that in your fantasy drafts. So when I say this, Damian Pierce should be within uh, the grand scheme of things. uh, At least, I would say, uh, at least in, in terms of like the overall draft pick standpoint, like going in the top. Uh, five rounds. Damian Pierce is still going to seven rounds by most of fantasy drafts. He's still going later on than he should. Like he has upside. Cordero Patterson 
as ridiculous as it sounds, because of his stretch uses in the past game, you can wait on running back and grab a Cordero Patterson. It looks goofy as hell when you do it, but guess what? The production still will be there. So I'm just saying, guys, you have to kind of keep an open mind. I don't want to necessarily say don't draft the Jets running back, but because we know the Jets are still going to be bad this year and we got a carousel of players, why waste draft picks on a Jets running back when you can grab Damian Pierce? It's a far less complicated situation. He's still going to get touches from the Texans because Davis Mills is not throwing the ball uh, deep down the field unless it's to Brandon Cooks. It's 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 very straightforward. It's a, it's a very simple simplified route tree when you look at the Texans roster. It's going to be Pierce and it's going to be Brandon Cooks. Both of those guys should be gone by the fifth round. And in what I've seen from drafts, they're not going uh, by the fifth round. Take the take the values where you can. Take the value where you can. Don't overcomplicate it. So again, lots to consider. But there are various ways that uh, folks get uh, uh, screwed us up. Oh, and I'll throw in the the annual J.K. Dobbins uh, lookout. Yes, Lamar Jackson runs the ball. Guess what? The Ravens are still going to be the number one rushing team, and J.K. Dobbins is still the running back one on the team. You still draft him in the first five rounds. He probably should be going no later than right after David Montgomery. Just be honest. I would rather have uh, I ra- rather have J.K. Dobbins than an Antonio Gibson this year. But yet, still, you may still see uh, you may still see certain guys uh, going ahead, and uh, you know that's just the nature of the beast. It's just uh, it, it, it's it's re- it's 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 funny how it's funny how like uh, the draft hype just keeps boosting certain players up, but you know, we, we try to take advantage of it where we can. And I think without question, you know, as long as you are still actively paying attention to some of the things I'm saying here, it'll put you in a decent enough spot with, uh, your draft strategy. So, uh, good luck everyone. And until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the fantasy throwdown podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.